Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. We are actually in a series called Don't Give Up. Say, Don't Give Up. Now say it with some enthusiasm. Say, Don't Give Up. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Uh, because you know why? You're destined. I'm destined for greatness. We are. Here's our staple verse. I want to get right to our staple verse, Galatians 6, 9. It's right here. But it's also, I'll show you the verse. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Just the right time. Uh, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up, right? If we don't give up. So I, when, I was, when I was thinking about this series, um, I was trying to figure out a good title, and at first I said, how about never give up? You know, I thought, well, that's not even realistic because, because we do, right? We give up. Come on, we, we've all given up on something. And what I'm talking about is, is uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about maybe the foundational things, but I'm really talking about, you know, when we, when we say uh, never give up or don't, don't quit, um, you know, there are things in life that we do give up on, which sometimes it's just maybe acquaintances or friends that we have in a season, and maybe the next season has different people, right? Maybe those people kind of help you get to the next level, and, and, they're, and they're, those friends aren't there. How about like maybe a career? Sometimes, you know, your career changes, right? We change in a different, a different career. Sometimes you start a new business. Uh, you know, th- those are things that, that we do you know, they just transition to another thing. I remember um, in, uh, started football in sixth grade, and I was, man, you know me, I, was, I said I was five foot nothing when I was in 10th grade, so in sixth grade, I was probably, what, four foot nothing? And yet I was fast, and, and, and nobody could catch me. And I remember starting out in sixth grade and playing football, and, and I was really good. I was really good. And I had a good season my sixth grade year. Well, I thought I'll play again. So seventh grade comes along, having a great preseason practice. We go into the, into the season and uh, first game, having a great game. I probably had 100 yards rushing in the first half, and I played defense as well. And I remember I got blindsided in the second half, fell down on my arm, broke my arm just like that. Season was over. And you know me, I would have went to the uh, NFL you see these little tiny, you know, anyways, really, really small boned person, but, um, but, uh, so I thought, you know what, I'm not going to give up. All my friends are playing football. So eighth grade rolls around and here I am in eighth grade and, uh, probably the first or second practice, the coach says, we're going to do the meat grinder. If you know, if you know what that is, is that's when he puts all the players on one side and, and you, and, and, and on the other, you kind of build a, a, a wall of players so you can't break through. And he gives the ball to one player over here, about 10 yards away. And then he has the other person tackle them with the ball. It's called the meat grinder. And I, I, it was the first time I witnessed it. And so I, the ball is given to my friend Rob, who was very well built in the eighth grade. He looked like a man. He, he was the guy growing the mustache already. Very well built. And here I am, four foot nothing, tiny, and the coach wants me to tackle him head on. The coach gives him the ball, and he comes running at me, and I come running at him, and we hit head on. He runs through me, right? He's like the Earl Campbell of Forest Hill Central. He runs through me. I go flat on my back, and I'm out. Literally knocked me out. I don't know how long I was knocked out for, but when I woke, all my friends were like laughing. (laughs) 
Well, the next day I quit because football was not for me. Like I said, I was actually had a lot of wisdom to quit. I went and played basketball, tennis, golf, stuff like that, little non-aggressive sports. I just realized that I couldn't, that wasn't for me, right? Sometimes, like, I'm not talking about that kind of quit. I'm talking about, obviously, the foundational, essential things, Jesus, faith, family, the word, church, prayer, worship, evangelism, marriage. These are the bedrock of life, my friends. And when we keep those things the main thing, keep praying, keep praising, keep doing good, keep moving forward, God promises that we will be rewarded. Will. Amen. Don't get too excited today. I, I realize, like I said last week, that we, we, uh, we, we live in a microwave society, but we serve a crockpot God. He likes to wait and simmer, and he, the perfect time he comes and brings the right answer to our prayer. So don't give up. Say, don't give up. Because it's true, we are, you are destined for greatness, and the devil knows it. So he will attempt to put any and every obstacle in our path to hinder our God-given destiny. That's just what he does. That's his MO. Today is, is a day where I really want to expose him. Because the Bible says that we actually are called to bring darkness out into the light. Unfortunately, we know, we know how to hide stuff. Come on, we're really good at like, oh, I'm really good. Everything's great, you know. But, but all of a sudden, underneath there may be something going on that you need freedom from. And the enemy always wants to hide Right? He wants to hide. But I'm just here to send a message to him, our enemy, that he can't hide. He can't hide. Because you bring it to the light and then he flees. So that's his MO. But like I said last week, some see obstacles as opposition and some see obstacles as opportunities. I want to encourage you, begin to see your obstacles. Whatever you're going through, right now as incredible opportunities to reach people for Jesus and fulfill what God has for you. See, we have these amazing promises from God that when, not if, by the way, when we fall into trials and troubles and have obstacles, it's just it's a matter of when, right? Come on, we, we know that. It's not if. But when we face those obstacles, that we have a God who will overcome them. He'll overcome your trouble and he'll carry you through to victory. Here's, here's one verse, one promise that Jesus talks about in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I love that he said world. He says, in other words, I'm not, Jesus is not only capable of handling our one trouble, but all of them put together and then some times infinity, so don't give up. How about this promise from Joseph expressing the very heart of God when we fall into trouble? Genesis 50, 20 to 21, it says, you, the enemy, intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And verse 21 says, so don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. 
and be rest, he rest assured them and spoke to them kindly. I, I, want, I feel like I have a word for somebody today right in that word. And that is you've been struggling with your family stuff. You've been struggling with provision. Maybe you lost your job. I don't know what you've been going through, but God is here to tell you Genesis 15, 20 and 21, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. There were many messages in our previous season, 2020, about 2020 vision. I even spoke it, First Chronicles 2020. And, uh, but I would say today, forget 2020 vision, which is hindsight vision, right? Which is like, oh, now I get why, now I get what I went through. Now I understand some of the things that God was doing in me. But forget hindsight vision and now get future vision, which is 5020 vision. Say 5020. Genesis 50, 20 again, that God will turn it out for good in our glory always. He'll, for his glory. God will turn out for our good and his glory always, you guys, always. For the saving of many people. And we can go on and on in, in looking at different lives of people in the Bible and here and, and, and who faced enormous trouble and obstacles, overwhelming fears, and see how God turned out for glory. And, and when you look at all of these lives, you'll find one common denominator. We prayed it, we uh, sang about it, we talked about it, and now I'm gonna talk about it here through the message, and that is fear. That's the common obstacle that people have faced when moving forward in their, in their destiny. So if you're gonna subtitle this message, call it Defeating Fear. That is the agenda today is for you to leave this place knowing that you have, you have accomplished against, God has accomplished against the enemy another level of your freedom from fear. Fear is the common, common face of the enemy. Hear that? Fear is the common face of the enemy. The Bible describes it as a spirit. Do you know that? A spirit. It literally is a demonic force with an agenda to seal, kill, and destroy. Here's the proof, 2 Timothy 1.7. You've heard this before. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You guys see that? I think it's very important because so many times we fight something in the natural when it's actually a spirit. Do you know that? Like, Actually, we, we, like I think most of the stuff that we actually go through, the battles we go through are actually spiritual battles first. And we don't recognize it, right? Because we're humans. We just look in the natural. But I, I'm telling you today that, that, that fear is a demonic force that must be defeated with another spirit, right? You can't, you can't defeat a spirit with something in the natural, it is not going to happen. That's why God says the word is the sword of the spirit, right? It's a spiritual thing. Praise, prayer, these are spiritual weapons. So many times we can, we can you know, in our relationships start arguing with each other. It happens, and we, we don't realize there's maybe something else behind this. Maybe it's a wound in a soul, but hey, maybe it's a spirit, right? Maybe it's a spirit. So when you find out it's a spirit, now we can shift our focus on the spirit <laughs> instead of on each other. Racism is a demonic spirit. That's what that is. That's what it is. Any stealing, killing, and destroying is a demonic spirit. 
that's initiating that stuff. Just know that. And, and how do we fight it? Well, again, with, with the word, the name of Jesus, prayer, praise, it must be defeated because fear is one of the most, first and foremost, door openers to demonic activity. Think about that. Fear does that. And the spirit can take many forms, but its intentions are clear. No matter what kind of spirit it is, it tries to take the life out of the party. It takes, it, takes, it takes your joy, it takes your freedom, it takes your love. It just takes, takes, takes from us. And the results of fear are obvious. Here we go. Fear produces worry and anxiety. Fear stifles our thinking and actions. It creates indecisiveness that results in stagnation. I've seen fear cause very talented people to stop what they're doing and not fulfill what God had called them to do. If I let fear bully me, it's difficult for the Father to bless me. But we all get fear, don't we? We all understand fear. Fear comes at, fear tries to knock on our doorstep every single day. But many times we don't recognize it. I remember talking with someone years ago, and, and he was struggling in personal life. He was struggling with addiction. He was looking at things he shouldn't have been looking at. And he came to me, and I'm glad he was honest, and, 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 and we, we talked through it. Um, and, and I said, and I just, I, I said this, I said, now, if, if a thief came to your home with your families, married kids, and knocked on your door and said, can I come in and take and steal and do whatever I want to do? I said, I guarantee you, you wouldn't open that door. You'd say, hold on a second, I'm going to get my shotgun. <laughs> Right? If a literal thief came in. Now I said, whenever, whenever you're, we, we allow these struggles to happen in our lives, it's just like that in the spiritual realm. Comes and knocks on our door and he says, hey, can I come in? And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, come on in. You would never do that in the natural, right? But yet we unknowingly and unwillingly do it in the spiritual. Enough is enough, I say. <laughs> enough is enough. Uh, fear hinders us, again, from becoming the people God wants us to be. It's a trap. It's a prison. It takes the fun out of life. It is the freedom. It's the enemy of freedom. Uh, and, and that's it. So no, that's, need I say any more about fear? I just want to get that out there because we've got to bring this to the light for a moment. But three questions that might help you and I identify the spirit of fear uh, in our lives. It's found in this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love in a sound mind. Question, Dwight True. Do you feel powerless? Do you feel unloved? Do you struggle with self-control? He's telling us, go ahead and put that verse up again. He's telling us, he's showing us three things. When if, okay, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with feeling absolutely powerless, you, you feel like I'm just stuck, I can't do anything, I'm paralyzed. If you are struggling, you're not feeling like God doesn't love you, people don't love you. If you are struggling with self-control, there's a really good chance you are being attacked by a spirit of fear right now. Do you hear that? But you and I don't have to live there. We don't. We have authority. 
Jesus says that you are free to walk out of those prison doors right now. You don't have to entertain fear. You can kick it out of your life right now. Fear is not your friend. It's your enemy. He only wants to hurt you. Never reason with fear. Never get into a conversation with fear. Fear must not be tolerated. Fear must be obliterated. So say this to start off. Say, say I will not receive fear. Say it again. Say, I will not receive fear. <clears throat> say, I do not receive fear. <laughs> say it again. Say, I do not receive fear. Fear has to go in Jesus' name. Okay, you just stood up to a bully. That's what you just did. You just stood up to a bully, right? Many times we don't do that. We just kind of tolerate that spirit. But you just stood up to a bully in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, I've said this before, but when I was... Um, probably around 6th, 7th grade, again, four foot nothing. I remember coming out of the middle school one day and, and uh, heading to take the bus home. Well, I had about five minutes to go and I noticed three bigger guys and they were the bullies of the school right there and I was gonna avoid them, but I kind of walked, walked by them and they surrounded me. All three of them were kind of pushing me and making fun of me and, you know, pushing me around. And, um, and I was like, I was stuck. I said, I'm, I'm a goner. You know, they're gonna do something to me. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, a guy named Mike shows up and he wasn't, a lot taller than me, but he wasn't going to take any of that. So he goes, hey, quit it. Get away from him right now. Stop doing that or I'm going to do that to you, he said. <laughs> and they looked at him and they walked away. It was that easy. I thought, man, that taught me so much about, 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 about the bully of fear. You, if you want to defeat fear, you got to stand up to that bully. That's one way you defeat fear. Amen? We also defeat him with spiritual weapons, obviously, and a spiritual mindset. I love these stories about just people like us. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he finally succeeded. He overcame the fear of failure. Beethoven handled the violin awkwardly and preferred playing his own compositions. His teacher called him hopeless as a composer. <laughs> he overcame the fear of rejection. Dr. Seuss, I love Dr. Seuss. Lord, get us some more Dr. Seuss books. Uh, he was rejected 27 times by publishers. The 28th publisher, Vanguard Press, sold 6 million copies of the book. Listen, defeating fear today will tip the scales of your destiny. Can you imagine a life without fear? Can you imagine a life without fear of the future, fear of what people think, fear of provision, fear of failure, fear of rejection? Can you imagine the freedom? It's exactly what God wants for us a life from the trappings of fear. Amen? I think it's so important to take inventory because we pick stuff up. We all pick stuff up, right? Fear comes a knock, and next thing you know, fear shows up in one of our rooms. And the, like, we must take inventory of our lives and ask the question, what do I fear? What do I fear? And meet that fear head on. Do you fear losing someone? I, I found out that people that are in relationships that are very controlling and smothering, that's fear because they don't want to lose that person. Maybe they lost someone when they were younger and they don't want to lose, so they smother and control. Come on. It's all real stuff, right? Real life stuff. How about fear provision? Oh man, you grew up with nothing and so you've, now you've lived your life just like making sure you got everything you need for the future, Right? Sometimes we call that person a miser, right? And that's just, that's just a short way of saying miserable. 
How about FOMO? That's a big word, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Any FOMO people here? <laughs> okay, I know there are. Um, here's, to, here's what I say to FOMO people, fear of missing out. Stay home for a little bit, right? Don't worry, you're not gonna, God's got some great stuff for you. You don't have to feel like you gotta run to and fro. But do you guys get my point? I've discovered in life that there are only two types of fear. One, which is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain, whether the threat is real or imagined. We've all experienced that at some level. That, that, that distressing emotion. Now, we've been here for t- over 10 years, and we walk, try to walk as much as we can, and we usually walk around the lake. It's beautiful. And I didn't realize there's some amazing trails in Cadillac, Mitchell State Park. Um, there's some amazing, in the woods, right? Why didn't I go there? Because when I was six or seven years old, I watched the movie Grizzly like four or five times. That is just a blood, don't, don't watch it. But when I'm that young and I'm watching the movie Grizzly about a bear who's tormenting all these people, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking well, you, well, what's in me? So I go in the woods. That's so why I said, Emily, just to let you know, I got a knife. I got a knife. It's also got some nail clippers on it and some scissors to cut, uh, to cut you know. But I'll tell you, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You know, if a bear, I'm, I'm telling you, so if a bear shows up, this is what I want you to do. Okay, you run. I'll kind of stave them up. I'll whittle a stick really fast. I'll make it really sharp. I'm telling you this. I'll whittle it. This is what you do. You run that way. You go that way. And I'll, I'll try to, you know, listen, just call 911. Like, I'm telling you this stuff as we're walking through the woods here in Cadillac. True. Because I grew up in the city. I didn't grow up in the woods. But I grew up watching that movie. <laughs> and I must think they're bears. Like little black squirrels. Oh, man, what was that? <laughs> a little tiny black squirrel. We saw a raccoon. I'm like, oh, there's a raccoon. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like that little knife's going to do anything, you know? <laughs> Swiss Army. I didn't even open the whole thing up. There's probably more stuff in there. Um... Listen, that's, whether real or imagined, it still tries to grip us. That's one kind of fear. Here's the other kind of fear. Reverential awe, respect, especially toward God. Did you hear that? There's only two types of fear in life. The impending fear of danger or reverential awe called the fear of the Lord. Let me just quickly say a few things and we'll get you through to the other side. It's interesting to know that the Bible has this phrase. Some people say 366 times, do not fear, fear not, don't be afraid. Uh, One for every single day in leap years. That's why God told Joshua three times in chapter one, be strong and very courageous. In other words, don't let fear dictate your life, Joshua. Because I got a promised land for you. I got kings to defeat. I got things that are going to happen. But I need you to be strong and very courageous. Because the fear we choose will determine the life we live. Do you hear that? The fear we choose will determine the life we live. The devil's the CEO of the fear factory. What we call them is phobias. If you go to a website, you can find that there's a website strictly for phobias, and and I found 500 real or imagined phobias on that one website. 
As a matter of fact, you can create phobia for anything you want. Listen to some of these phobias. A blutophobia. Fear of washing or bathing. Amen. No. Uh, agliophobia. Fear of pain. Allodoxophobia. Fear of opinions. Oh, man. Bibliophobia. Fear of books. Blenophobia. Fear of slime. Chorophobia, fear of dancing. Emily does not have that. I almost got elbowed today during worship by her. Actually, I love it. She dances, didn't know, doing a little twist, but elbow came that fast. She didn't have that fear. How about this one? Geliophobia, fear of laughter. Gelatophobia, fear of being laughed at. How about this one? Geniophobia, this is a real. Geniophobia, fear of chins. That's why I'm, that's why I'm trying to get rid of this one for you because I know you're struggling. My double. This, this, I'm definitely, this, I struggle with some lachnophobia, fear of vegetables. Sorry, Irene, fear of vegetables. Uh, pogonophobia, fear of beards. You would never make it in northern Michigan. Fear of beards. We all get this one. Ephabophobia, fear of teenagers. Oh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus help us. No. <laughs> How about this one? Homophobia. Fear of sermons. <laughs> Run! Run for your life. Now you have an excuse not to come to church, right? Listen, we may chuckle at this, but these phobias are real to people, but they're roadblocks. Let me help you for a moment as we're winding this down. Are you afraid of not having enough? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Or El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. You afraid of getting sick? Come on. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Are you afraid of being alone? Emmanuel, God with us always. Are you afraid of spiders and snakes? We trample on them. That's what the Bible says. We trample on them, right? Are you afraid of the future? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Right? Does he? Do you believe that? Or do you have the world in your hands? Do you have your world? Come on, I've, I've tried to have my world in my hands. It's way too heavy. God's got the whole world in his hands. So which fear will we choose? Because the fear we choose will determine the life we live and we know that the fear, right fear, is the fear of the Lord. And let me quickly explain that because I know people have grown up in church and, and they've learned the fear of the Lord. You better fear the Lord. You better do your chores. You know, that's not the fear of the Lord we're talking about. But look at what the fear of the Lord begin, gives us in Proverbs 14, 27. Fear of the Lord, listen, is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. In other words, apparently when I'm walking in the proper fear of the Lord, I'm going to come alive. Now some people, when they say the fear of the Lord, they're like this, looking over their shoulder. Oh my goodness, he's going to get me. God's going to get me, right? Come on, they grew up that way. Somebody taught them wrong. Let me help you with that phrase, fear of the Lord. It's not being afraid of God. It's about being close to God. Not wanting to stray from him, not wanting to leave his path. It's a strong desire to please him, not wanting to get lost. If you ever lost your kids' parents, it's one of the, one of the gut-wrenching things you'll go through, even if it's just for a short moment. 
Well, I was walking out in the path the other day by myself, walking our dog, and <clears throat> I came up on a little dude, probably five. He had like a Boy Scout patch on. He's walking through the woods, like strong and confident. He goes, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, dude, where's your parents? Like, what are you doing out here in the middle of the woods? Nowhere. You know, he's like, hey, it's a great day, isn't it? Man, I'm having a, like, he's talking to me. I'm like, this is, this can be our next president. He's just bold. He's confident. And I'm like, where are your parents? Well, he goes, oh, my parents are right behind me. They're right there. And lo and behold, here they come right through the woods. They knew their son. They were, he was just far enough ahead where, where, where they were. But he was good because he knew his parents were close. Right? And when kids get lost and they know their parents aren't close, they start to fear, become afraid. But he didn't. He was like, you know what? I, my parents are around here somewhere. I know they'll, they'll be, no, they're here. And he was having the best day of his life. I thought, wow. So that's, that's going to be a next generation leader right there. Because he knew, listen, his parents were right behind him. And we know our parent, our father, is right behind us. He's right ahead of us. He's to the left of us. He's to the right of us. He surrounds us, right? As we sang about, he surrounds us. He surrounds us. When we understand that as the fear of the Lord, I would say that nothing is impossible for us who believe in God, right? When you know your father's around you, he, 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 he's, he's very close to us. He's with us. He's in us. So as I finish, I want to just show you a person just like us, Elijah, really quick. We got here about three. No. Name's Elijah. He was a person just like us, just like you and I. But I think he was one of the greatest leaders, a very strong leader, but yet fear came knocking at his door one day, just like it does to us. And you know what he did? He buckled. He buckled, just like we have at times. But I want to show you how he got out of it. That, I want to show you how Elijah got out of fear when it gripped him. He has this incredible day called by God to go, to go bring a defeat to an enemy that's opposing God and King Ahab, and he does it. He has an incredible day. He sees God's amazing power show up and then he walks away from the thing thinking man that was awesome I, God you're so good and look at what happens in 1 Kings 19 1-4 and Ahab told Jezebel <clears throat> King Ahab told Jezebel's wife <clears throat> you can tell who's in charge there all that Elijah had done also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword then Jezebel sent a message a messenger saying this so let the gods do to me Elijah if I don't make your life the same tomorrow about that time, I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the messenger says, I'm going to rip you to shreds. <clears throat> and when he saw that, <clears throat> he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. <clears throat> Isn't that what happens? Like, man, when, when, we're, when you're attacked by a spirit of fear, the enemy tries to isolate us, right? We leave our, we leave our peeps. The people that are going to help us out, we leave them. We, we, but I think this is also talking about God, the Holy Spirit. But listen, verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It's enough. Now, Lord, take my life from no better than my father's. He wanted to end it all. We went from having a great day to great disappointment. From seeing a miracle to, to feeling horrible. 
saying, I'm going to Disney World to wanting to leave this world. Have you ever felt like that? I have. I have. Man, you kidding me? I've been attacked by the spirit of fear before. Thinking, oh, no, take me, Lord. <laughs> Enough. <clears throat> but that spirit attacked him. Just like that spirit has attacked us. Maybe we didn't recognize it, but I want you to recognize him today. So what, what do I do? How, do? how do you get out of it when it tries to grip us right here? So he heard a story. He heard a messenger. The messenger painted a picture, which is kind of interesting. What, what, what was said by the messenger created a, a video in his mind, right? They didn't have Instagram or TikTok or television back then. He saw something. And every time fear shows up, fear usually comes in words. Fear comes by what we hear. Fear comes by what we hear. It does. That's why I say, man, please don't put your head in that news all day long. Please, please don't. Come on, open up your Bible. Find out what God says. Come on, man. You know, just, you don't need to go out in the woods and go spend time with God. You don't need to listen to that stuff. That's how the enemy works, by what we hear. That's why we sang when we were little, careful little ears what you hear, right? Come on. Be careful little ears what you hear. For the Father up above is looking, right? Come on, why do we sing that? Because we need to be careful. Never quit because of what you hear. And Elijah heard it and saw a picture and he wanted to give up. But this is what you can do. You can stand up uh, to that bully. I, I love what one person wrote. The devil, the devil whispered to me, I'm coming for you. And I whispered back, bring pizza. Fear must leave in Jesus' name. Stand up to that bully. But here's really how you eradicate fear right now. Simply with his love. It's not your faith that defeats fear. It is not your good looks, your personality, your, your ability that defeats fear. It is God's love that defeats fear. Here's the scripture right here. 1 John 4, 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives or casts out fear. Come on. We've been doing it the wrong way. Stand with me for a moment as we finish. Listen, because, because if you want to eradicate fear, when it comes, and it will come, what we need to do is allow God's love to move in our hearts and our lives in that very immediate moment right there. That's how you drive out fear with this perfect love. So Elijah runs for his life, and so what did God do? I love what God did. This is so important. This is the heart of God because usually when a leader messes up or a leader makes mistakes or a leader, you know, leaders fall or Christians, you know, they, 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 they just don't do it the right way. Who does? You, when that happens, as people, we're like, oh, see you later. God never does that. God never, never rejects us. This is what he did with, look at this, 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, hey, get up and eat. He looked around there beside his head. Was, there was some baked 
bread and on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Then an angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, hey, get up and eat some more. The journey ahead is, it will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. God will eliminate fear so fast in our lives when we just receive his love. I'm telling you right now, this is the key right here. I see the love of God here. God let him rest. God sent him an angel. He made him a cake, gave him some water. And then the angel came a second time. So God cared for him even more. That's what God does every time. He doesn't throw you under the bus. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't say it's over. He doesn't say you made the worst mistake. Listen, you know what God does when we make mistakes? He actually gets closer. We don't. We're like, oh, stay away from me, man. No, God says, no, 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 I'm coming closer. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. You didn't realize that your mistake, your trial, your trouble, when that thing attacked you, that God is actually moving closer to you. But the devil says no. The devil tries to lie and say, no, no, God's just rejecting you. It's over, done. You messed up. It'll never, it'll never work again. That's a lie. Don't give in to it. His hand is on you. His loving hand is with you, especially in your struggle, in your trouble, in your trial, even in your mistake. So God shows up with Elijah. He says, oh, son. (laughs) It's happened a lot in life. (laughs) Happened with Abraham. Happened with Moses. And it's going to happen again to many great men and women of God, just to let you know. But I'm going to show you, Elijah, how I get you out of it. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to let you sleep. And when you're sleeping, I'm going to send an angel, and he's going to love on you. He's going to bake you a little birthday cake. (laughs) You wake up, you'll be amazed. Put a few candles on it, give you some water. Go to sleep again. Go to sleep. Wake up, because we got stuff we got to do. We got destiny. We got a mission. And I need you, number one, Elijah, to know you're loved. And then I need you to be strong and very courageous because there's more, much more. So why? why? You know what happened? So Elijah would go ahead and he would meet with kings after that. He would do incredible things. But he would then meet Elisha, the next generation prophet that would do even more than Elijah. And you wonder why your life matters. You wonder what God is, the purpose God has given you because you're going to reach someone. You might reach the next Billy Graham. You might, you're going to reach someone in your life and that person's going to change more people than you could ever imagine. All because you didn't give up. And all because you let God remove fear from your life. So just simply lift up your hands for a moment. I just want us to receive God's love. That's it. Just receive God's love. You struggle with fear, God's going to push it out. God's going to drive it out of your life right now. Oh, we call you out fear. We see you. I saw you Monday. When I was was getting ready for this, I saw you Monday and Tuesday. When you showed up, you tried to mess with me. I saw you. So I knew we were on the right track. So God, here we are. We're lifting up our hands, and we're going to make this 
this powerful love movement that's going to push fear out, that's going to get us to the next level, God. We thank you, God. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Oh, yeah, yeah. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us oh how is that uh, so many people in life have rarely heard I love you even from a dad uh, dads um, dads moms go home today tell your kids you love them if, I get it if your dad mom didn't tell you that you love just push past stand up to that bully of fear and you, you sit them down you say I love you I just want you to know dad loves you. I want you to know mom loves you. I want you to know God loves you. Start saying that, right? Just start letting that go. Start letting it go. Just, I love you. I love you. I love you. That, those words will change their lives forever. 95% of people incarcerated, statistically said, they've never heard I love you from their dad. So you're here. And, and your heart is still like, ah, I don't know if I can receive this love. Listen, one more time and we'll get you out of here. He loves me. Oh, how? Come on. He loves me. Oh, how he loves. Do you believe it? Come on.
believe that angels come and visit you when you're sleeping. Angels come and visit you when you're down by a stream or you're out in the woods. Angels come and visit you and and they will let you know how much God loves you. They'll take care of you. They'll give you water, give you the word, give you encouragement to tell you that your life matters to God, that there's so much more he wants to do through you. I'm telling you that. So Lord, bring angels, 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 God. Bring, Lord, just loose all the angels you want, you can into our lives, God, to minister to your people. Encourage them for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.